This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcasts. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to our podcast. This is an interesting one, Tom, I think, right? Yeah, this is one that uh, you were very excited to do, came out of nowhere. I think you're feeling, I don't know, it was, it was my wedding anniversary, but you're, I guess you're the one that's feeling romantic. I mean, your wedding anniversary right. was yesterday, wasn't it? Or two days ago? When was your wedding anniversary? Veterans Day. So, oh, yes, look it at was that. Friday the 11th. So naturally, you told your wife, we can't, yeah. we can't celebrate our anniversary because it's Veterans Day. We need to celebrate that instead. That's exactly what we did, yeah, and that would have gone over very well with, with, with the misses. What we're talking about today is the uh, courtships that uh, presidents did. Basically, being a president, and since all the presidents have been male so far, right, you would think they're the most powerful man in the world they, and yep. things of that nature, but yet they still have to go through quite a bit in order to uh, win the hearts of the women that they want to marry. So that's what we're going to be looking at a little bit today, just how some of the yep. presidents met their wives, not everyone, how they met their wives and the courtship and see how it kind of evolved yep. over the years too, because it was very different. The ones obviously from the 1780s and the 1980s were very different, how they would meet each other and how they would court one another, more or less. Just kind of look at this again, as you mentioned, we're not going to talk about all of them. We're going to try to look at some of the more interesting ones. Not to no. say the other ones are not interesting, but uh, getting a few things out of the way, all presidents, but one, and that's James Buchanan, although he's on here trying to court someone. He's on here. There's a reason. Yes. Old there, presidents, there's a, we'll talk about that one. Yes. We'll talk about that. Uh, but James Buchanan is the only president of the United States to never marry. Besides that, every other president was married. Some of them, actually, their wives passed away before these guys became president. So that's also an interesting thing. The longest marriage, uh, Jimmy and Rosalind Carter, because Jimmy is still alive. People tend to forget that. But Jimmy, Jimmy is still there, um, have been married for 75 years. They're coming up on their 76th anniversary. That's insane. I mean, actually, they just had their 76th anniversary, July 7th, 2022. I think that's intense. So, you know, I'm going to start there, even though it's uh, we're going to go backwards and talk about Washington's and all that stuff. I figure since these guys have been together for the longest by far of all the presidents, let's celebrate them first. So Jimmy met Rosalind when he was three years old and she was a newborn. As weird as that sounds, they were neighbors and their parents were really, really good friends. So Jimmy, you know, Jimmy's a little older in high school. He doesn't really pay attention so much to Rosalind. And then uh, he winds up going to joins the Navy. Right. So he joins the Navy. And then he comes back from the Navy after his first like deployment. And at this point, Rosalind's older and she's a freshman in college and he sees her and he's like, whoa, like, OK, where have you been my whole life? Asks her for a date. She's kind of like, all right, fine. So they go on a date. He's 20. She's 17. And she's technically just, you know, first year of college. They go to the movies and they actually don't remember what movie they saw, but apparently love was love at first sight, at least for Jimmy. And he basically asked her right away. And this comes up a lot. He's just like, I want to marry you. And I don't know if you noticed this, but looking at these stories, a lot of these guys were like, hey, let's get married. <laughs> it doesn't really work that way today. But, you know, so they did have their first kiss. 
And then he kept on asking her to marry him. And she kept on saying, nope, I want to finish my studies. I want to finish college first. And eventually he kind of pestered her and pestered her until finally, uh, it was about a year after their date, you know, she was like, okay, fine, let's just do this. So they finally got <laughs> uh, engaged. Bro- so the bro- love story broke is- a will down. That's not good. But 76 years. Wow. How old is Jimmy Carter? He should be He's okay. a peanut farmer. He's peanut good. farmer it is. Jimmy Carter. That's a cool, fun love story. Again, there's no premise. There's no rhyme or reason to the order of this. We're just talking about some courtships, presidential courtships, because I always kind of thought this was interesting. You know, I mean, why not? We all, you know, meet people that we love. So why not? Fair enough. Well, I guess might as well start at the beginning, right? It was our f- subject of our first podcast. So, so we'll do the first one here, right? Uh, so let's look at George Washington a little bit. So Washington, obviously we all know Martha Washington, but when he met her, she was actually um, a widow and very wealthy. She had a lot of other suitors because of her wealth. Washington was a colonel in the Virginia uh, militia. He was not, he didn't really have much um, money, but he was a pretty high social ranking. And that's really how they met each other. We're meeting on these social scenes. They would have these parties, like a wealthy family would throw this party. They would invite people mm-hmm. and they would come and like, that's how they really meet each other. That's really the only way they did it back then. You didn't have um, all the websites, I guess. Now you didn't just go yeah. to people and meet someone at like TGI Fridays and stuff Swipe like that, left. which was the first singles bar, right. believe it or not. Well, that's, a, that's, but yeah. Wait, yes. so TGI Fridays was the, what do you mean your first singles? Yes, bar? it was the first, first singles bar. Yes, it was. That could be a future podcast. We can look into it. Get out of here. Go ahead. Look it up. Yes, it was. I mean, I believe that you. I believe you. I got to look into this. That is correct. But anyway, so George and Martha, they have this yeah. courtship and they were married pretty quick. So they meet in 1758 and they marry in January 1759. And at the time, it was kind of viewed as like, oh, this is just a marriage of convenience. They're these two like wealthy or well-to-do socialites. Their families are pretty well known. You know, he's going up the military ranks and stuff like that. So people didn't really think much of it. And um, it actually took place at on Martha's plantation it was in the in a, a place that was called the White House because it was a big white house on the plantation it was kind of like oh okay yeah, foreshadowing what was going to happen a couple years later right and they were happily yeah. married for over 41 years um they never had children like we talked about but they were it was a marriage where um everyone said you know he Martha was his rock especially during those times through the war revolutionary war and things of that nature but yeah it was basically just met on like a social scene were married a year later and that was history you say she was she was wealthy. She was the wealthiest widow, yeah. the wealthiest woman in all of Virginia at the time that they got married. That's how rich she was. His wealth all you know, came from her. Yeah, and and the wealth, you know, this, his slaves came from her, and the wealth came from her primarily because of her first husband. So she was born into like a fairly well-to-do family, but her first husband was like really really wealthy, and he passed away, leaving her with two surviving children. And George Washington could never really have kids, even though he claimed that it was her fault. Even at some point, he would refer to the fact that, like, you know, if I had another woman, I would probably have kids. So George Washington basically adopted her children and that, you know, so there's no real heirs to um, to George Washington. But she was very rich. I mean, he basically uh, married her. I don't want to say for her money. That would be kind of cruel to say, huh? Well, it was social um, status. It was, again, it was a marriage of maybe it started out as a marriage of convenience, but then it definitely didn't stay that way. Let's put it that way. Um, Let's talk about uh, let's talk about some other ones. I mean, we have instead of Abby Adams, Abigail Adams. I actually found a story of their son's courtship very interesting. So John Quincy Adams, 
basically met his wife, Louisa Johnson, right, in her house in France. And the reason why he was in France is because Adams was about 12 years old and he was traveling with his father, right? So John Adams uh, was a diplomat. He was on a diplomatic mission in Europe. And while that's happening, Adams is 12 and he meets his future wife, who's four years old at the time. And this is in 1779. They meet again in 1795, so about 16 years later. Um, at that point, 1795, John is now a minister to Netherlands, and he starts courting his wife and telling her how, like, you know, like, I think you'd be great, you know, you sh- we should get married. But at the same time, this is kind of messed up. He, like, tells her that she needs to improve herself and her looks and her manners if she is to live up to his family's standards. Um, and because at the time, his father was the vice president of the United States and eventually he would become president. So it's interesting, like this guy's telling her, like, you know, like, I, I love you and yeah. all, but you need to get a little better. But yeah, but, but you're and not good enough for my family. Yeah, exactly. Right. And she still winds up marrying him. Keep in mind, John Quincy Adams spoke like five languages. This guy was very much like an, an aristocratic, but also very, I wouldn't say pretentious, but very, very well-educated, upper-class kind of dude. So he marries her, or rather she marries him after all that. You know, they come back to the United States, and John Adams is actually not happy about this. John and Abigail Adams see her as a foreigner. It's like, this girl's not American. Like, we don't we don't want her. She was actually born in London, which makes it even more interesting. She grew up in France, but was born in London. And this is close enough to American Revolution, so this was quite scandalous. And is she still the only foreign-born first lady? I believe so, yeah. What about well, Melania, Melania Trump? Might have been. Yeah, Melania might have been. Right? So I guess until Melania? I got to look that up. Yeah, but until up Melania, until, she was the firstborn. Um, well, I wanted to talk about, I guess, one that you kind of mentioned a little bit before, and that was um, the one president that was kind of a bachelor, right? And that was James Buchanan. So we guess, yeah. I guess we'll go a little bit of his story, and then we'll move on to some others. But um, his story is kind of, it's actually kind of sad when you really look at it. So it was, um, Very he was sad, 28, yeah. and he was actually engaged to a young woman, 23 years old, by the name of Ann Coleman. And she was the daughter of a iron, iron magistrate, right, in Lanchester, Pennsylvania. You know, he was wealthy, so he was going to marry into money. They were engaged, but because he was busy with his law office, he didn't really spend much time with her during the first few months of the engagement. And then back in that day, then the rumors start to fly. And again, I guess when these rumors start to fly like that, particularly in these like social circles, it gets like vicious. And these rumors were that he was seeing other women and he was only marrying her for the money. And most historians today say those rumors were untrue that, you know, he was really just like working really hard because he wanted to have some established, be established himself to a certain degree before he ever married her. But apparently Anne took these to heart and then wrote in November, more of all these weeks and said the engagement was off. A few weeks later on December 9th, she actually died of an overdose of um, laundrium which they believe was a possible suicide. And Buchanan was just devastated by this. What made it worse was that her family refused to let him attend the funeral or see her body. So he just kind of disappeared for public life for a while. He eventually returns to his work, right? Um, he later on vowed that he would never marry, and he didn't. And he remains the only bachelor president in American history. So he's one of those, like, you know, little Jeopardy questions. And Ann Coleman was the reason why. So he was like 28 at the time, and he was like, that's it, I'm done. There's also a lot of rumors about him potentially being gay. I mean, you know, there is, if you Google James Buchanan, just type in James Buchanan gay, the historians have been trying to analyze and overanalyze this for centuries now. This idea, like, was this man really gay? And perhaps, like, why did she actually commit suicide? What was really going on there? Another one that's really interesting is James Madison and Dolly Payne. Uh, They were married in 1794. 
And Dolly Payne has kind of a sad story. She was 25 years old at the time when she met James Madison. And Dolly had just lost her husband, her son, and her mother-in-law, all to yellow fever. So she is basically a newly widowed woman. But Dolly's very much a socialite. She's super, they said she was very pretty, full of life at 25 years old, very social, and just always smiling. And everyone kind of knew Dolly. She was like the, the fun person at the party. James Madison actually meets her while they're in Philadelphia. He doesn't meet her at first. He sees her and he's like, wow, like this girl is just so nice. He was older. He, yeah, he was older and also much shorter. Yeah, she was um, she was taller than him and she was 25. So he was almost double her age, which a lot of these are actually when you start looking into it. Yes. He winds up asking his friend Aaron Burr to introduce them together. Like Aaron Burr as in like Aaron Burr. Sets and him up. Mr. Hamilton. Burr. Mr. Burr. Mr. Burr, before he like, you know, becomes public enemy number one and tries to uh, take over half the United States. Shoots other founding fathers. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so Aaron Burr sets them up and they fall madly deeply in love and they move into the White House. But he was always very antisocial and the complete opposite of her. So James Madison did not like parties. He didn't like to really be amongst people. He preferred to be by himself. And she was the complete opposite, always hosting parties in the White House. Actually, she introduced ice cream to the White House, and her favorite flavor of ice cream was oysters. Yeah, I just wanted to mention, too, I saw that a couple times with that one, that um, Martha Washington actually endorsed their marriage or them getting together. She thought it was like a perfect pairing, that the two of them were like filling each other's gaps. So it's kind of like, again, those social circles and stuff like that, like how that stuff happens. It's kind of, kind of you know, a little interesting. And stuff. Isn't it crazy how these people all knew each other? You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, Martha Washington. Yeah, like she, likes, she likes this. The one I wanted to talk about was, um, I thought it was kind of a little bit different. Calvin Coolidge, right? Cool cow, yep. how he met his wife. That was, was weird, kind of wasn't interesting it? Story. It's kind of an interesting story. Yeah, so her name was um, Grace Ann Goodhue, and she was wearing flowers outside of the Clark School for the Deaf, right, in Massachusetts, um, yep. which is where she taught. And you're going to notice a lot of these first ladies soon to be first ladies were teachers to begin with. You know, she's wearing the flowers. She happens to look up at one point and she sees this man through the window of the boarding house across the street. He's shaving his face. So he's covered with lather. He's dressed in long johns. He's also wearing a hat and she sees this and she sort of starts bursting out laughing. And then the man turned and looked at her. He started laughing too. And they meet. And that person was actually Calvin Coolidge. And it was the first time the two of them met. They actually married two years later. And it was kind of similar to the to Madison and uh, Dolly when uh, they were like she was much more of the socialite, much more outspoken, and he was much more calm. He was very quiet. That's how they met each other. Was basically she saw him through a window shaving, you know, wearing his long johns and a hat. Yeah, but he's like watching her across the field, basically through the window while he's shaving, and then he's wearing a hat. There's just a lot of weird stuff in that. That's what they did back then, you know. <laughs> wear hats while they shave. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to um, try next time, see what happens. The one I was going to talk about kind of brings back, so I guess we jump in a little bit, but Andrew Jackson and his wife, Rachel, which is actually also another sad story at the time. Very sad. Rachel never actually lived to see Andrew Jackson become president. Rachel was initially married to somebody else, right? She was married and un unhappily married to a man that basically beat her and really mistreated her. Yeah. And, and Jackson saw this. Yes. So she met Jackson because he rented a room when he was younger. He rented a room at one of Rachel's mother's properties. And he basically witnessed this guy beating Rachel. So he winds up like standing up for her. Apparently his whole life, he just like couldn't deal with women being mistreated. And again, he's a very controversial figure, especially this day and age. But 
him and Rachel, he kind of takes Rachel away from this bad guy. They fall in love. What supposedly happens is that Rachel's first husband, Louis Rob- Roberts, I think, yeah. files for divorce. And the assumption is that they're divorced at that point. So these two, Jackson and Rachel, elope, basically, and get married. And then years later, it's revealed that the husband, Louis, filed the divorce papers somehow wrongly, I guess. Technically, Rachel's marriage was never ended. So Jackson's rivals seize upon this story in 1828 when he's running for election. And they basically called her an adulteress and all kinds of stuff. And she gets severely depressed, which then eventually leads to her being bedridden. When she's bedridden, her health continues to decline. And then eventually she winds up from all the stress getting a heart attack. She never sees him be president, but he is elected because she dies about a month after the election. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, and he basically believes that this was caused by his political enemies. Yeah. Right? Well, he also blamed all of them for, he blamed everybody for that. So he was yep. definitely, he wanted to get back at those people and he, he did, but he, he always, he thought she was, she would uh, wake up here. So what he was hoping after she died, he made sure that uh, she was dressed in a nice gown and that all the blankets were warm just in case she was cold when she woke up. So he was, he was distraught. Yeah, isn't that crazy? For sure. They buried her on Christmas Eve and she was dressed in a white gown and shoes that she specifically picked out to wear at the inaugural ball. Like she never got to it, but like it's just, that's kind of creepy. I thought it was creepy. It's grief. True that. I'm going to skip forward a little bit, but um, Harry and oh. Bess Truman. So they had this like obviously like a very deep connection. And it was one you saw with some of the other ones too is that they actually knew each other when they were very, very young. They went to um, Sunday school together. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, like he even children. says when he saw yeah. her curly, yeah, he saw her curly hair. That was it. He was done. Uh, he was done with her. She had the golden curls and um, the most beautiful blue eyes. And they went to Sunday school together. They went to fifth grade, fifth grade through high school together. They graduated in the same class. And they pretty much stayed together pretty much the whole time. These are like high school sweethearts. His children later write like, I don't think my father ever even looked at another woman in his life other than my mother. You go forwards, I go backwards. All right, so I go backwards okay. to. Eliza Johnson and her husband, Andrew Johnson. So Andrew Johnson is the first president to ever be impeached uh, following Abe Lincoln. I probably should give him Abe Lincoln too, but we'll get to him. Eliza and Andrew Johnson met up as teenagers in Greenville, Tennessee. She recounted a popular story of their first meetup that she was basically chatting up some friends outside of school one day when she spotted this newcomer, Andrew Johnson, rolling into town for the first time. Uh, She was 16 and still in school, he was 18, and they st- they struck up this courtship very shortly thereafter, after meeting outside of school. He never went to the school, for he never even knew how to read or write, and this is an interesting story. They actually started becoming closer because he asked her to teach him how to read and write. And Eliza started basically teach him. And as she started teaching him and, you know, they fell in love and married shortly thereafter. But it's interesting how this is a guy that becomes the president of the United States. And he didn't know how to read or write until he was like 18 years old. And it wasn't, if it wasn't for Eliza, he would not have known how to do that, which I thought was, I thought was kind of interesting. 
And then, you know, kind of staying in the old times, if you look at Ulysses S. Grant, he meets his wife, Julia, through her brother. So Ulysses S. Grant, future president of the United States, meets Julia because of his West Point roommate. So she's actually his roommate's sister. So he winds up staying at the roommate's house at one break and he meets the sister and he's like, whoa, like I, I like this girl. And he asks the brother if it's okay if he courts the sister. And then the brother's like, good luck, because she's never usually interested. And the two kind of really hit it off. Their main two things that I really like together and agree upon is poetry. They kept on reading poetry to one another. And they both had a fondness for horses. As they're like kind of talking and he's courting her, uh, she had this yellow canary that apparently died. And Grant built her a small yellow coffin for her pet canary. And like she thought it was like the sweetest thing. Again, a little weird, but okay. Um, Chocolates, flowers, and coffins. Why not? That's, that's what's up, right? Uh, and then he winds up basically going to the Mexican-American War before they're able to finish the courtship. So for four years, more or less, they correspond back and forth through, through letters, like passionate love letters. And he's just like, please wait for me. You know, please wait for me. You know, this takes years. Obviously, it works out. Even though he was in Mexico, he would like find like a wildflower in the banks of the Rio Grande and send it over to her. It was kind of a cute love story. And once he got back, they basically said let's do this and they got married but yeah the one thing that stood in a way though which is interesting because grant's family was very abolitionist and actually they refused to eventually attend the ceremony yeah because julia's family owned slaves so not she didn't but her family did so there was a lot of discrepancy between the two families which i thought was kind of interesting for the time one other thing about grant oh uh his wife actually had a lazy eye yeah very subconscious about about it and he he was becoming so famous yep yep and then he was like you look beautiful stay um well since i'm going i'm skipping forward you're going backwards let's look uh, i want thought one that was also very interesting you're gonna see a lot of these presidents you have to be a confident guy and um this president definitely was and you hear how he courted his wife it was the same thing and that was um lyndon b johnson and lady bird johnson that was crazy so basically basically um he spots her right on a trip to texas and he goes up to her and says, you know, I'd like to meet you for breakfast the next day. She says yes, even though she later says, like, I was I was going to skip. I wasn't even going to go. But when she was out that morning anyway, she kind of just ran into him, like, somewhere else. She's like, oh, man, you're the guy who was about to, like, you know, ghost basically for breakfast. But now he, you see me, so I guess I'm stuck with going. So breakfast turned into a day of driving. He proposes that day. That day he proposes to her. They take a trip the next day. He takes her to meet her parents. And all this kind of takes um, her name is Taylor. Taylor by surprise. But, um, you know, Johnson was just confident about the start. And she you know, eventually says yes. And you can notice that happens a lot of times. I think we forgot to mention that so many other times is that the they asked this person to marry them several times before they say yes. Like it was actually commonplace in um, like the 1700s, 1800s. You would, they, women would never say yes with, on the first marriage proposal. There were several marriage proposals you had to do. So I guess, you know, that was still kind of uh, somewhat happening. But I guess you meet someone and ask them to marry on the very first date is a bit much. But they were married in 1934 and they stayed married, obviously, through, you know, through, through the years. But he was just, he just knew it. He was like, yep, yeah, yeah, we're getting married. And then she was actually first going to like skip, skip the date altogether. I thought that was kind of interesting. So the next one I have going backwards would be Teddy Roosevelt and Edith Roosevelt. Uh, and these two actually uh, grew up together. This is kind of a cool story. Um, basically, they both grow up very wealthy, Edith and Teddy. And they wind up, uh, they grew up in New York City, and they share tutors. They swap books. They play together. Very close, elitist, wealthy families. 
um, Edith was actually really good friends with Teddy's sister, Corinne. And what happens is as they get older, they drift apart. And then Roosevelt winds up going to Harvard and he winds up marrying Alice Hathaway Lee, who was a, a, you know, a young, beautiful woman. And then Alice, after giving birth to the couple's daughter, um, also Alice, winds up dying the same day that Roosevelt lost his mother. Talk about a bad day, huh? Um, yeah. So tragedy is said that broke his heart. And then while that happens, he basically, as a grieving widower, starts you know to turn to his old childhood friend for comfort, Edith. And they start slowly developing feelings for one another, even though, again, childhood friends kind of didn't think of it themselves that way. Until newspapers wind up breaking the news of the fact that they got secretly engaged. And only then did Roosevelt go back and kind of like let his family in on the secret. It's like, yeah, we're engaged. All right. Well, let's go uh, into the more modern era. All right. Uh, one that there was actually a courtship. There was actually a movie about called uh, Southside and Me or Southside and Me, You and Southside made by Spike Lee. And um, it was basically Michelle and Barack Obama. So how the story goes is they met at um, Sydney Austin LLP, which is a, a law firm where they both worked. They were both Harvard graduates. And um, basically, Michelle was assigned to be uh, Barack's mentor. And he went, by the, he went by the short name Barry at the time. And um, he constantly asked her out. And she kept on saying no. She just thought he was like this, like, you know, smooth talking, like ladies man and stuff like that. And she thought this was going to be like too tacky. So I'm not going to out with him. But he eventually, you know, kept on persisting. Um, and she eventually just says, yes, fine, just to get it done. He actually um, offered to quit his job at the law firm if she would agree to go on a date with him. So they go out and um, he she he picks her up and he's wearing like she says a um, he, she was very unimpressed because she he came dressed in like a. Um, sports jacket and had like a cigarette hanging out of his mouth she's like all right fine let's just go on this date see what happens so they, they go on their on date to lunch at the art institute of chicago they go see a spike lee movie do the right thing and then they go get ice cream at baskin robbins and he says uh, i treated her to the finest ice cream baskin robbins had to offer and um they said right there is they they sat there eating on ice cream on the curb and it's actually where they also had their first kiss and he says, you know, should we eat ice cream so it tasted like chocolate? And that first kiss is actually, um, there's a plaque there now, I believe. So it's like the oh, spot yeah. where they had their first kiss outside of Baskin Robbins. And they got they dated all the time. She actually brought up the idea of marriage. And he said no at first. And then uh, about a year and a half later, they were, um, she brought up again at dinner. And he said no. But later, he already had it planned out later that day, later at, um, at dinner when the dessert came out. There was like a, um, a box, whatever on it. When they opened it up, there was the ring and they got married in um, 1992. So, and that's basically the rest of history there. Uh, rest to Ronald and Nancy Reagan. And then you could do Trump. You have Trump, right? Do you find anything for Trump? I have, I have, Trump's one is short, but it's like, it's Trumpy. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's Trumpy. Uh, okay. So let's uh, let's do Ronald and Nancy first. This one's kind of uh, interesting as well. I mean, they all in a, their own way are interesting. But um, basically, the reason that Ronald Reagan, who you know is an actor, meets his wife Nancy, who is also an actor, is because the of the infamous communist um, Red Scare in Hollywood. And basically, mm-hmm. he is president of the Screen Actors Guild at the time, who's kind of assigned to resolve the issue of known communists within the Hollywood, you know, upper echelons and his future wife, Nancy, who at the time was uh, known as Nancy Davis, basically found her name listed on the blacklist as communist blacklist. 
and she kind of freaked out. She's like, wait, I'm not a communist. What is this about? So she winds up um, scheduling a meeting with the president of the Actors Guild, and this happens to be Ronald Reagan. And basically, she's like, I'm not a communist. I don't know why my name is on this list. And they wind up hanging out to like 3 a.m. talking well, about it. Well, it matched someone else's name that was yep. on the list. I saw there was some um, discrepancy, right? That this was untrue. Yep. Yeah, because that, 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 that happened in 1953, and they were married by 52. So how could this really happen? But it was a story that they always went with. So, yeah, they always went with that story. Yeah. And even though okay. uh, I was going to get to that, the idea was that supposedly they met and fell in love because she cleared her name because it was a you know case of a, a mistaken identity. But then, as you mentioned, it's supposedly this she was not put on this list until they were like already together. So apparently the real story, which is less interesting, um, is the sheer fact that they were simply just set up to go on a date. Like that, that that's all that it really was. She basically wanted to meet him and... He wanted to meet her and a friend invited the two of them to some dinner party. And that's how it worked out. But they never said that. Apparently, you know, historians think that might have been what happened. But according to their story, he cleared her name from being a communist. And it kind of fits better with his motif of being this like communist, you know, fighter, I guess. You want to finish up with Trump? Biden has an interesting story, too. But the Trump one is pretty All right, so short. Let's finish. Yeah, but, finish, um, finish both of them. You know, former President Donald Trump. Um, what basically happened with him was that um, he met. He was he's, he was twenty eight, and Melania was uh, no, sorry, he was fifty two, right? And um, Melania was twenty eight. He was actually still married to um, his second wife, Mara Maples, at the time, but they were they were separated. And he was it was actually at a New York Fashion Week party in nineteen ninety eight, where he was actually there on a date with an individual. But when he saw uh, Melania, he said he went crazy for her. So when his date went to the bathroom, he went and approached uh, Melania and asked for um, her number, and she gave it to him. And that's basically how they met, and they started dating shortly there, shortly thereafter. So he was basically just on a date and with someone else, and then it was like, oh. he said she was um, not very interesting. So and Melania was much more interesting. So that's why he uh, went after her, and the rest was basically history. They started dating for a while, and then in uh, 2005 is when they. Uh, Got married. You wanna? Um, you wanna finish us up with uh, Biden? So we had Trump. So now we're going to do the uh, most the most recent president at the time of this podcast, right? Um, Joe Biden, and this is another one that you know it starts off um, a bit sad. They have been married for forty three years. Um, he's basically he lost his first wife and baby daughter in a car crash in nineteen seventy two, and then he devoted himself to being you know basically a father to his uh, two young sons. And he first encountered um, Jill three years later through a blind date set by his brother. His brother kept on trying to set him up on all these dates, apparently. He's talking about he was never interested. Finally, he said, um, fine. And they started seeing each other in 1975. They didn't marry until 77. But he actually proposed to her five separate times. She was always, like, wary of making any promises that she couldn't keep to, like, her. really the son. So she really talked about. She just saw that he was so dedicated to his boys um, that she loved them also. That she just didn't want to like do anything that could possibly like upset them in any way. She didn't want to upset the boys in any way. So that's why she was always kind of wary about ever um, getting married to him. But eventually, obviously, they do, and they've been together for forty-three years um, since then. So you see, a lot of these presidents were married before. There was a lot of like heartbreak and like um, in, in their lives beforehand, and then a lot of them also they they struck out quite a bit in those first few uh, proposals. <laughs> A lot of these presidents yeah. proposed several yeah. times before they eventually say yes. Yeah, today, like, you know, hey, yeah. would you like to marry me? No. Oh, I guess that's it then. Okay. Like, no, yeah, no, you never didn't, gave didn't, up. Like, didn't like, hey, I didn't end. I mean, I had a, if I asked my wife 
to marry me. And she said, no, I don't think I'll be like, all right, well, I guess uh, the rest of today is going to be awkward and um, I'll see you around. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's not there'll how it be was. no tomorrow. <laughs> anyway, so that was our, uh, an interesting topic, but I think it was a fun one. It's something a little different. So uh, as always, thank you everyone for joining us to listen to our podcast. Again, an unconventional one nonetheless, but uh, but I think it was fun. So with that in mind, if anyone needs to contact us, please feel free to do so. You could find us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. We're always there to answer any of your questions. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because... The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.